0: behind the curtain of the softly training lab with the softly performance podcast. The pinnacle of human performance is out there and we intend to find it. Hey guys, welcome back to another softly performance podcast bringing you Brooke West, our registered dietitian of softly. She is the main lady who is uh the one that's creative on our nutrition app, you know. She's the one that goes ahead and drops all of the the awesome meals you get to eat and Honestly, sometimes I'm like I, I kind of like I'm like, where does she get these ideas from? Sometimes I'm I'm surprised by it. <laughs>
1: Thank you. Good afternoon, George.
0: <laughs> uh, well, I we just got back. Um, I was at family for a trip this past weekend. You were out at a conference learning about more dietitian stuff. That was a uh, that was cool. I got to see a little bit of your Instagram and, and see what you were doing. I would like to get into that a little bit, but we'll go ahead and dive into our main topic today. And that topic is going to be talking about concurrent training of strength and endurance and how our Apex team has been a, uh, you know, this past year, I've seen a lot more athletes come out of the woodworks. <laughs> I like that word, woodworks, but talk a lot about the idea of, you know, using the team for different types of events. You know, in, in this past year so far, we've seen athletes who have completed selection-based courses. We've seen athletes who have completed triathlons. We've seen athletes who competed um, half marathons all the way up to the fifty-mile ultra uh, running distance. And we've also had athletes use it for bike races. I've used it. I've used this kind of approach with helping other athletes on the individual side um, get to hit certain goals. We also have a ruck-based. Um, program on there as well that allows you to get ready for you know if you want to go ahead and do the baton uh ruck march that's like 26 to 30 miles you can we had guys use that before we've had ladies use that before we've also had um people use our our ruck based stuff for go ruck selection type things so you know a, a lot of it is it geared towards endurance yes is it geared towards strength yes and we're gonna dive deep into that and talk a little bit how do we blend them all and how do we approach it because I'm going to go back all the way to when we first developed Apex One, and the reason why I'm doing that is because, Brooke, you're going to go ahead and have a lot of experience with this, too, because you helped one of the athletes who followed that from the start of it all the way to the end of it who lost almost 20 pounds, and that was David Bandon, um, who is a big-time strongman athlete. I mean, I don't know if you remember talking to him back in the day where he like dropped from like 230 down to like 205 in in that 24-week period, and that's that was something really cool because he ended up training for a 50k that had over 7k invert um and then about four weeks later he ended up going and competing at a strongman competition taking first in his weight class all utilizing the apex programming and it was really cool to hear what his um results were from it along with it started kind of giving me that idea of like okay cool i'm on the right track with where my principles are and with my methods are at and how i really want to approach this and the idea of training strength and endurance to help that athlete out and you know it it Honestly, it, it there's a lot of science that goes into it, and I never realized that at all until really digging deep into the endurance side when I made the switch to endurance again and ultra endurance. I never realized how much science was involved with it. You know, I was really big in the strength world from weightlifting and, you know, having athletes and powerlifting and strongman competitions, and I really had a huge grasp on that, and I really dove myself deep into it, but I never really understood that there was a lot more in, to the endurance side than what is to be seen, you know, especially for you. I mean, you come from, you're a triathlete in college, right? I
1: did. I did sprint triathlons. I was not a huge fan of distance, even as a swimmer, not a huge fan of distance. The most I ever did was a half marathon. So nothing compared to ultra endurance.
0: Yes, but the, the the cool thing about that too, though, is that you notice, and you probably can validate this too, is a lot of your training was a lot of stuff that was either slow, long distance work that you had to do with high, high burst of uh, intensity work throughout your programming, I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure. If your coach was a very smart coach and understood the idea of endurance and how to develop the two energy systems to coincide co- co- to make the athlete um, do what they're meant to do in terms of, you know their their sport and and that's kind of where we're going to approach this too you know and that's one of those things to where the question is what is the apex team exactly I was gonna right? say, everyone it asks, me like, well,
1: through kind of what this is because honestly i don't even know as much about it as i should i have a general idea but what does that look like a week of training in the apex program
0: yeah so the week We'll go in and we're going to say that the apex team. You know the way I like to generalize this is to make it short term. You know because I always get asked like if you can't explain something in, in in most basic information, then you don't have a really good grasp your of elevator it. Pitch? And the way I look at the your that's Your elevator huh?
1: pitch. Your thirty second. It is elevator my
0: elevator pitch. pitch. You're th- <laughs> so the apex team is a a team that is produced to provide a building basic aerobic function in the athlete who is gonna go ahead and see themselves be able to do A, B, C, and D across the board. When I say that, they're able to live their life to the fullest. We have a lot of athletes right now who are more anaerobic than aerobic, and the Apex program focuses on developing the aerobic system, as well as maintaining and increasing strength across the board. How do I do that? Well, I focus on, you know, not just focusing on hypertrophy strength and, and power peaking type of strength work, but I also look and develop your unilateral strength and your unilateral position work. And we look at that to supplement to your endurance work. And the cool thing about that is they both work and blend very well together if you approach it in the right manner. So those who are looking at the Apex team, what is it? It is a Uh, concurrent training of strength and endurance to allow you to live your life to the fullest is how I go ahead and approach it. That's that's the best way I can say that, you know, and we have multiple athletes who have, finish cycles from the team, they were like, man, I didn't realize I was able to go and run, or go bike, or go swim, or put a ruck on my back, and then the next day, go into the gym, and just crush it in the gym also, and feel strong, but then the next day, go back out again, and go do another long run, or whatever else, and it's like, you know, you think about it, like, we were actually born to do all those things, if you think about it, right, like, you know, we, we went out and ran for long periods in time when we we're chasing our, anim- or chasing our prey for, for dinner or whatever you want to think about it. But then we also had to work around the area and the, and the, and the, the tribes and stuff that we did. We had to produce that. And it, why can't we do it now? We don't have to be stuck in one place, you know. And that's kind of the way I look at it, right? Like I give everyone, you know, what I look at with the Apex team is we're giving everyone that outlet to go ahead and work in all domains and enjoy that. You know, that's, that's the cool part about this program or about the team in general. So, you know, it I got a question today when we posted on the Instagram page like, you know, who is it for and is it flexible. And realistically, it is. It's 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 for anybody. And the reason why I say that is because we've done actually very we've done progressions within this team, within that team um, with Apex 1 which takes the strength athlete who's never done endurance before. So, we'll use David for example. You know, he never done endurance at all. The dude was in the army, he did a little bit of stuff for his PT stuff, but it wasn't an endurance athlete, and he was a strongman athlete and a power power lifter. Well, you know, those who understand strength conditioning understand that powerlifting and straw men are, are more of an anaerobic type sport do you need some aerobic system to go ahead and help you carry on yes but we try and avoid those things avoid the aerobic system because of the fact that we hear this thing like well it it, it takes my strength away right we talked about that pre-show right like oh i'm going to lose muscle mass i'm not going to stay strong I'm going to do all those things and 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 to a point it's actually correct you're right right like if if i do too much aerobic work and i'm trying to get strong for a weightlifting meet or a powerlifting meet or strongman competition i am going to see that i'm not going to increase the strength that i want because again you have to blend the two and understand where they need to be at in terms of the athlete's phase of training You know, um, I've posted a couple photos of like how I look at when I look at, you know, endurance and strength. And I look at the CNS, I look at the CNS, right? High to low. And why is that? And, and, And the reason why that happens is due to the fact that we understand that strength is neurological, right? Meaning that it's more demand on the CNS. And the reason for that is because we're still utilizing the anaerobic system a lot more than we are utilizing the aerobic system. And if anyone doesn't know what aerobic and anaerobic are, aerobic is with oxygen, anaerobic is without oxygen. So going back to understanding like, well, how do we blend these two is we know that strength is is neurological and then endurance is metabolic. And that is something huge. And, you know, Brooke, I'd like to hear your your take on this when we talk about the metabolic systems in, 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 in terms of nutrition, right, from aerobic to anaerobic. And understanding that, like, once you hit a certain threshold in your aerobic system, you now have become anaerobic and you've stopped utilizing fat as fuel and you now start utilizing carbohydrates or glycogen as fuel in terms of that. So, you know, when you start utilizing the two systems and you blend strength in there and you blend the endurance together, there needs to be a happy medium of like of them working together. They should never peak at the same time. Then that's when we start seeing problems and you know, I've seen this in the past, especially with other other coaches who have done, you know, training programs for selection based athletes or endurance athletes trying to train strength or trying to do a powerlifting meet and a weightlifting or and a long distance endurance event, is they'll peak both of them within a week or two of each other. Yeah, that doesn't and, and that smart. doesn't really it doesn't seem smart at all, right? Like if I was to go ahead and peak someone for a 50k race on a, a you know, one week and then the two weeks later I want to go ahead and have them peak for a, strength, uh, for a strength event, will it work? Yes, will I get the best out of that individual? Probably not, like I probably wouldn't get the best out of that individual, and due to the fact that they're still recovering from that endurance event, and vice versa, right? When we go in, because of the fact that we have to understand that running a 50K or doing a long, doing a sprint triathlon or a half Ironman or doing a rucking VEC does take a toll on the structural system, right? And over time, that does take a toll on the CNS. So we do have to understand that they all blend in together. It's just understanding how to manage the two together to see the best outcome to enhance optimal performance for the individual, you know? Um, that's something that's really big in that terms of, of, of the apex and who is it for, and and can anybody do it? They can, you know? I just had a guy reach out to me. It's funny, Brooke, it's, you know what's really funny is this past week, it's really weird. I've gotten about six emails on talking about the APEX program, and how they utilize it for different events to actually finish their school. Like, so we had three guys reach out, I'm sorry, two guys reach out about finishing selection-based courses. We had another guy uh, come back and say he was like, oh, hey, man. He's like, I never ran a marathon in my life before. I, fo- I followed Apex 3 um, powerlifting pathway and the running pathway on there. And I just PR'd my, my my marathon at a 430 over rolling terrain. And then four weeks before that, I PR'd my back squat, deadlift, and bench press um, in terms of body weight to ratio for myself because that's how he was looking at it, not looking at it in terms of, hey, let me go ahead and do that. You know, that was really cool to hear him be able to say that. He was – and then – Further questions like, well, how'd you feel the next day? You know, what are you doing? He's like, man, honestly, he's like the next day I could have gone out and ran another half marathon if I needed to. Um, That says a lot. That's really cool to hear that. Yeah, right? That's when you know you've
1: trained correctly.
0: Exactly, right? That's how you know that you've trained and you're you're moving in the right direction to get yourself ready and set up for whatever you need. Because, again, I've been there and I'm pretty sure you've been there, Brooke, too, where it's kind of one of those things where I train for a specific event and then all of a sudden I'm crushed the next day. Oh yeah, like, like you I'm, know, I'm not, um,
1: not I, moving stiff. Like legs aren't functioning because I've not trained properly. I've been there,
0: and we all have. I know for me, for a fact, I use my example. Um, when I was developing Apex One, I went from I went I went from doing triathlons straight into an ultra marathon. And what I did there was I did a six-week buildup to do an ultramarathon. It was just a linear progression. It was like, all right, week one of this was gonna do like 20 miles just like on the weekend together, back to back. The next one was like, it was just, I blended it slowly across the board over the six weeks, and I went into that race. And obviously, I had I didn't have enough time on my feet. Now that I know what I know now, it's like one, I didn't have enough time on my feet. Two, I was way nowhere near as aerobic as I should have been to go ahead and handle it. And three, I had no idea what I was doing going into that at all. You know, I just knew I needed to run for long distance, and let me just go ahead and just slowly increase my my mileage or my time on my feet for the next five weeks. You know, and during that, I was still doing swimming and biking, and and I was still I did a half uh I did a Olympic distance triathlon, and then three weeks later, I ended up doing that fifty miler for my first time, and the next day after that 50 miler, I think I was broken for like a good week. And and it's one of those things where you're just like, <laughs> what did I just do to myself? And why do I want to do this? And I'm pretty sure if those who have ran a 50 miler or 50 K or, or their first ultra endurance, or even done their first long half Ironman or whatever else know the next day, it's a next few days, a little rough. So it's really cool to hear that he was able to walk off that off that marathon the next day and feel st- good still and continue moving means that the program is, is doing well and it's moving forward. Yeah. So I have
1: a question for you. You say time on your feet. Yep. And that's something when you can break up your training periods, correct? So even if during the day you can't train for hours and hours at a time, in your opinion, is it okay to break up this time on your feet in a different way and maybe you're ha- you're running multiple times yeah. a day or whatever that might be?
0: Yeah, so they call them sandwich runs, um, and the, and the reason for that is due to the fact that everyone has a life going on. So, for example, like for me, like when my mileage starts to jump up, up to the you know seventy to eighty mile range here in a couple of weeks, I'll have to split up my weekday runs twice. I'll have to run early in the morning for an hour or so, and then again in the afternoon for an hour, um, and that is just to go ahead and build time on feet to go ahead and allow for me to build the accumulative fatigue and and that that just resistance that I need on my body to get used to handling being out for so long, especially you know, with a hundred miler coming up and then getting ready for the Tahoe 200 this year
1: When you're getting ready for a hundred mile race What's the longest run before you run that hundred miles?
0: That's a really good question. I actually just read an article today by a uh, another a top ultra running ultra marathon running coach who has a lot of elite athletes and he actually just Put that out and I was actually gonna bring that up today, too is you know the way we can look at that is is we have to spend the time out to find out what our bodies can do at certain time periods, right? And the way we can look at it is like, all right, cool, if I want to go ahead and move for – four hours, well what am I gonna go ahead and test during that four hours? There's gonna be multiple different variables I wanna take care of. How's my nutrition during my time on feet for four hours? What is what is my body doing when I hit three hours and two hours and those kinds of things? It makes me it makes me be more in tune and be like, okay, cool. So I know that my body feels this way after running for four hours. And if you think about it, there's a cumulative time on feet built throughout that week. So if you think about it, if I'm running already, if that Saturday run is for four hours and I'm three hours into it and I've already ran seven hours during the week i'm at 10 hours in and that's what my body's feeling like right because we have this accumulative fatigue built up so that's a good time to go ahead and figure it out so there's no there's no legit number being like hey you have to run eight hours today for a 50 miler that's going to be your long run there's no specific time it's going to be one what is your annual training base look like right what is your training and, your, and all that stuff look like and then two is like well okay cool do you know what your body does at certain times. What kind of variables are going to be in your race? Is it going to be super hot throughout the day? Well, maybe you want to go do a a training run in the morning from eight in the morning where it's only 40 degrees. And all of a sudden by two o'clock, it is now 70 degrees. You need to know how your body reacts to that, what your heart rate looks like, what your effort feels like, how much water we need. There's a lot that goes into it. And during the apex program, we give you that that time to do that. Within your Saturday and Sundays, which you've seen before too, and we've talked about this. This is where it comes down to the nutrition aspect, right? Like, well, how much are we supposed to be eating and drinking during this time period, and how much, you know, how much water do I need if I'm not sure, and you know, I, I'm a big time sweater. Do I need to put in salt, you know, or don't sweat much? Should I still be worrying about drinking water, like all those things, and like, oh, like I'm more fat adapted at type athlete. Do I need as much carbs compared to someone who is more of a carb dependent athlete, you know? And it's it's just. Those kinds of those kinds of variables, you get to test out while you're out for a long period of time. You know, so if you need to be out for six to seven hours for that day to get all these things under control and learn what they are, then we do so. If you just need to go for four hours because you're testing out a couple of things and seeing how it works, then you go for four hours. But we have to understand that we must build up to these to these based hours and time on feet because it does take a toll on the system.
1: Absolutely, and I think when it comes to a lot of this nutrition and hydration and these other things, there is guidelines but they're simply to me a starting base and that's why it's so important when you're training especially at this intensity level that's the time to be playing with you know what carbohydrates yes you know modalities you're going to use what what are you going to use for your hydration plan so you know we can give you guidelines and i'm sure the same is for training but at the end of the day you need to listen to your body and it's okay if you sway right or left of this guideline that's given
0: yeah, and that's, that's the thing there. That's one thing I have found with myself, and, and Brooke, you, you know this for a fact. I mean, I've been, I've been bouncing back and forth on what works best for me, and I think I've finally nailed it down, and it's one of those things where it just comes from being out there and gaining the experience of time on your feet and spending that time on your bike for two to four hours at a time, you know, or being... On, on your doing if you're training for a triathlon, you're practicing transitions. You're knowing what it feels like to be on a bike. You know what it feels like to come off the bike into your run when your legs are super heavy and having to flush that lactic like acid out. Going into a ruck, being out there for three to four hours, what does my feet feel like? Am I am I getting blisters or hot spots? Where is the ruck pointing into my back right now? How's my straps doing? Like all those things come into play that I think a lot of people don't realize and i think that's something that you know we should really take it, take to heart because again if we're just out there with our mind just completely shut off and just moving what does that really do for us it, it doesn't do much for us right like that's the, the thing there and we talk about being mindful right well that's being mindful right there being like okay cool what is my uh what's my ruck strap feel like right now when i'm 3 hours into this into this movement of power hiking and you know what is my am i how much water am i drinking you know, at three hours in, you don't have to sit there and keep a log, but just, you know, hey, I got 20 ounces on my right side, 20 ounces on my left, and I got 40 in my back, oh, I've gone through all of that, and I've had to refill my front water bottles once already, well, now I know that in three hours, when it's 70, 80 degrees outside, I'm going to need this amount of water depending on the terrain and the situation of the the race, you know what I'm saying, like, those are those things too, and, you know, every athlete's gonna have to get used to taking in different types of nutrition, especially the ones on the bike. You, Not everyone can sit there and just take in full meals all the time, you know, like someone who's running an ultra marathon, you know, they got to have their go-to carb drink. They need to go ahead and have, you know, Ziploc baggies of whatever else. You know, we know guys who take mashed potatoes. We know guys who do a whole bunch of different things to help them stay a fuel to keep moving. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 going to be a trial and error type thing, and that's the reason why on the Apex program on the weekends we give you sports-specific um days and that time period so you can go and find out what's going on and how to go ahead and work through this so when you do get out to your race or your event you know what you need to do but you know i one thing i did want to bring up and talk a little bit about too was was the idea of you know we get this a lot right and they're like you know i jumped onto the apex team because i was afraid of burning it down that's exactly what happens right and we 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 see that in across the board in all programs, you know, every athlete comes onto a program, no matter whose it is Soft it's Jim Jones, military athlete, we can talk about OPEC stuff, we can talk any athlete, an athlete always wants to come onto that program and just burn it down, right? They just want to come balls to the wall. And one thing that the Apex program does, you know, for the individual is it really lets them know like, hey, we're training in low aerobic efforts. Like your endurance work is gonna be low aerobic efforts. That means you're gonna train in a zone two, zone one, depending on, you know, what you need to work on. And, and does it, is it individualized? No, is it group templated? Yes, do I try and make it as individualized as possible in terms of what's on the template? Yes, you know, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, Apex One builds the athlete, you know, the strength athlete, how to utilize and how to build, how to run, swim and bike right and they teach you how to do those things we still maintain strength and we focus on those things but at the same time throughout that that was focused on building just your aerobic capacity due to the fact that a lot of athletes are aerobic uh, aerobic deficient you know and that pretty much means or, or an aerobic deficit and and the reason what i say with those two means that you can take someone and if i had you brooke right now go for a run have you ever noticed going for a run rider your heart spikes just right away out of nowhere It just starts to spike really high. Well,
1: if I'm not prepared and haven't been training, it'll sure do that.
0: Yeah, so that goes into the idea of like, you know, our body naturally just wants to go into this anaerobic state due to the fact that it's not used to utilizing oxygen. Um, And to not get too deep into the science behind it all and everything else like that and keep it as simple as possible is the goal is to go ahead and create this aerobic funnel, right? And the aerobic funnel is what handles our output of anaerobic output, right? So the way I like to think about it is if my anaerobic um, output is at a 10, but my aerobics output's at a 3, well, we're going to go ahead and see that backup of the anaerobic output starts backing up due to the fact of the aerobic system being so low. But if we flip those two numbers and I raise my aerobic system to a 12 and I left my anaerobic system at a at a 10 or I built it up a little bit, now I'm able to handle higher bouts of output for longer time periods because there's no buildup within the aerobic funnel because we have that funnel even bigger now and we can handle higher bouts of output. And and that takes time to build. And, and within these programs, that's what I'm focusing on. I'm not focusing on you trying to go super hard or, or you know, just work on on VO2 max or threshold or temp or tempo work that comes in the program later on down the road after I've developed this really good base of, of aerobic system to know how to utilize oxygen in your system to keep your heart rate at lower at lower beats while you're consistently maintaining a certain output. So that's, that's one of the things that I like, you know, I, I wanted to bring into that and talk about like, Hey, that's the reason why we, we don't see athletes burning it down just yet in terms of that. So, um, that's you really know it's it's one of those strength. no yeah it is an important note and the second thing too that I you know that I bring up behind this is the strength programming within it right you'll see that there's either two days or three days in there depending where we are at within the within the phases of the program and and the same thing the way I look at the strength program is I just I just focus on the the same methods that we look at when developing strength in the athlete right? Like, okay, cool. We see it in CrossFit, right? We see a lot of it right now in CrossFit that individuals can go ahead and do strength training, weightlifting, gymnastics, and they can go ahead and do mixed modal high intensity work. And it works for a while, right? It works amazing for a while. But what ends up happening is we start seeing strength numbers start to to plateau. We start seeing endurance start to plateau. We start seeing Metcon workouts start to plateau. And that's because of the fact that everyone's living at this high intensity lifestyle. And we have to understand that this needs to be brought down to training below in that aerobic function aspect of this is how our body utilizes oxygen, and we need to teach it how to utilize the aerobic system when we're moving. So when it is time to get into higher intensity workouts or higher intensity events, then my body can go ahead and handle it. Again, it goes down to if we, if we don't use it, we lose it. So we still got to train the anaerobic system, but it, there's a time and place for it um, with that. So... You know, one thing I, I, I wanted to like talk about too, Brooke. I know you, I didn't, I don't know if you read it, um, but I sent you this. It was the Polican Group article. Remember, did you see that? If anybody um, wants to follow this or whatever else, you just go ahead and type in, you know, how to strength for strength and endurance at the same time. Um, and the Pollockin Group did a really good uh, research paper on it, an article on it. And, and they go into a few things in there that, you know, that a lot of people do wrong, right? And for instance, you know, We've seen a lot of coaches and athletes prioritize anaerobic exercise um, to go ahead and focus on fat loss, right? We, we hear that, right? Let's go ahead and utilize anaerobic training to go ahead and, and, and create fat loss. And that's not wrong, right? Resistance training does help with burning fat. Right. But to a certain extent. And I think that
1: it take, you have to gain a lot of lean mass to have the benefit of increasing your metabolic rate. So that's why it's important, I think, to do both
0: well exactly right like that's the goal there right is we're trying to increase our metabolic rate and that's that's all we're really doing we increase that we end up seeing that we're able to now one handle higher volumes of food right we can eat more because we're going to be more hungry two we're going to go and see everything else around us performance wise probably increase energy levels will go up now right so training this style of like just aerobic training we're already going to see benefits from it long term in a lifestyle change Right? Like that's the way I look at that. That 70 to 80% rule that we should live within. A lot of people don't realize, like, hey, that's where we should be living at. We live in such a high stress environment already. Why do I want to continue stacking on more stress onto the system by just training high-intensity anaerobic style training? And that's where again the Apex program comes in. We're not focusing on prioritizing strength. We're not focusing on making you the strongest athlete. No, we're focusing on making you the most well-rounded athlete in in terms of athletic athleticism so that you're able to do everything you want to do if you want to go and run an ultra marathon you want to put a ruck on your back you want to go swim you want to go rock climb but you want to go to the gym and burn it down and, and be strong there but in a smart manner but still live life with your family and do everything that's what matters the most to me and that's one thing I've really taken from the apex team and how I approached it is like I'm not trying to make you qualify for any kind of race I'm not looking at you know that's cool and everything else but how did it you increase your quality of life that's yes, the question that I like to I ask. I love that. Right? Like, we let's increase your quality of life through training, through nutrition. And that's one thing I've learned with this, right? Is like, I've said this multiple times on a few podcasts before, is that I am the healthiest I have been in 15 years.
1: That's amazing. And, <laughs> like, and how old are you, George? The, I don't even know.
0: I'm going to be 31 this year.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs>
0: so, yeah, you know, it's like... It, it it's crazy to be able to say that to be able to sit here and be like I'm the healthiest I ever been and you can ask athletes who have followed the Apex programming how healthy they do feel off of it. You know, yes, will there be aches and pains and stuff like yeah, of course that comes with training, and and within the Apex program we have warm ups and cooldowns, we have recovery protocols from movement flows to breathing protocol work to help down regulate the system so that you can recover. Yes, um,
1: listeners, don't be me. Take the recovery and mobility protocol seriously because you will regret it
0: <laughs> well yeah that's exactly right the goal for that is to stay injury free and and with the and, and you have to understand with when we look at endurance right and we look at strength training like a lot of the times we work in one plane right we work in in the sagittal plane and we never work in any other plane at all we don't work much in the frontal plane we don't work much in the transverse plane right we we miss that a lot when it comes to strength training and it comes to endurance you know so what i really focus on there is really trying to look at a 360 degree view of how we look at movement. So if I know that you have to ride a bike, you have to swim and you have to you have to run, but you also have to lift weights and a lot of that stuff's in one in one plane only. I'm going to go ahead and add a lot of accessory work, I'm going to add a lot of recovery movement work, I'm going to add a lot of stuff that are going to hit the other the other planes of movement to allow for you to build athleticism and stay injury free. That is the goal within the terms of that, right? So as we're starting to hear now like the Apex program sounds like this fucking Program that is like, oh my God, it's the best program, and this is what we should be doing. And you know what? It works for some athletes. Not going to work for every athlete. We know this. That's that is the truth, right? Certain athletes are going to love it. all. No, there is not a one size fits all. But I can tell you though that if you do go into this program with an open mindset and follow it, you will see your quality of life increase. You will see things change. You will see how you feel due to the fact of you're not living in this high intensity lifestyle 24 seven and that goes for all our programs let me just say that real quick too like the apex program isn't just that but we do prioritize certain things within those teams because they're specific for that right the strength team we prioritize uh, we, we have a, a, a we, we focus on and prioritize strength and then the stamina teams, we focus on building the stamina and, the, and that stuff. And then the quick team, we give you a dose of both real quick because we want you to go ahead and get that work in in that 60 minutes. Is there low aerobic work built in through it throughout the week? Yes. But again, the, prior, the, the priority of those things are not to just focus on, you know, with the Apex. The apex is just a balanced program of not being specific but being more general so the athlete can be more general and live his life and her life the way she wants to live it. So, it's it, it's it's something that I'm super passionate about. Obviously, you can tell. But, I love it though. Um, that was it's like last, last week. Brooke was just
1: went off the handle.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that's something that you know that I've also you know really got into was the idea of understanding how to look at the the aerobic system in terms of how to utilize our metabolic system. And let's go ahead and talk a little bit about that, Brooke. Can you dive into like what the the the, the, the fat metabolic system is or the aerobic metabolic system is? Um, I'm, um, sure, mean, I'm not gonna ab-
1: go into like the, the biochemistry, no. metabolism stuff, but from a practical perspective when it comes to nutrition, it's really important how you're balancing your macronutrients when you go up to this level of especially being an endurance, ultra endurance athlete. And some basic guidelines, and I'd mentioned before, you know these are just this is a starting home base and what you might need might be above or below and that's why it's so important to be in tune with your body and paying attention to the signs it's going to give you and you'll know based on how you're performing how you're feeling how are you recovering all that really matters how are you sleeping um you know George's what do you have 4H's now you've added to the bunch
0: and If you've listened to the podcast, you know the 4-H's, but if you don't know what they are, I'm still going to say them because I enjoy them. And I talked a lot about them actually this past weekend. Um, but yeah, the 4-H's, I make sure I wake up happy, hungry, and horny. And I now checked uh, heart rate. Heart rate heart, I check heart rate and make sure my heart rate's there.
1: For sure.
0: Um, and we can talk a little bit about that later you on will, down the road. I, just, but yeah.
1: I had to laugh at that for a minute. So <laughs> when you are working in low intensities, your body can utilize fat. When you are in these longer endurance races, your heart rate's up and you're at a higher intensity, it's much more carbohydrate heavy. And that's why you need carbohydrate fuel intra-workout. When I say that, I mean during your training, during your race, you need some fuel. It's going to have to be a carb at that point because the research shows that the body cannot take a fat. If you're doing a race and you're like, I'm going to eat a slice of bacon, it doesn't work like that. That's not what the body wants at that point it's wanting carbohydrates as a substrate. So there's a big window here for carbs. Like the recommendation is five to 12 grams per kilogram a day carbohydrate for someone who's considered an ultra endurance, um, high performing, I guess elite endurance athlete. So that's a pretty big window, right? That's like seven grams of leeway. So what I would recommend is kind of starting and saying, all right, on my non-training days when I'm not doing endurance, you know, five to seven grams per kilogram a day is fine. And then on your training days, it should be seven to 10, and you can always add up if needed. And that extra carb, how I would make up for that is, remember that intra-workout fuel counts towards that total number. So when you're working out for one to two and a half hours, let's say, so that's not too bad of a training day, you're gonna need about 30 to 60 grams of carb an hour during your training. What that looks like for you really depends on what your GI can tolerate. And believe me, that took me a while to figure that out for myself. But eventually I got, um, I did oats. Like pre-run, I would do oats and a banana and like a little bit of honey. That worked really well for me. But then during the race, I couldn't take in real food. So I would do a mix of carbohydrate drinks and gels. These are all things you can utilize. I have friends who swear by uh, peanut butter jellies. So, you know, it really depends on what works for you. When you're active for two and a half hours or more, you're looking at needing 80 to 90 grams of carb an hour. So that means you're going to have to get a little bit more creative with your, you know, multiple transportable carbs. But I think it's fun. I'm also a nutrition nerd, so maybe it's not fun for everyone, but it's kind of a puzzle that you get to play with and learn more about your body and what works and what doesn't and how can you make it run like a well-oiled machine. So I think the carbs are a really important piece. And then the recommended protein intake is usually around 1.2 to 1.6 grams per kilogram a day. And then the fats should be coming about 20 to 35 percent of your calories from fat. And I know there's this whole argument of now being fat adapted and, you know, eating high fat, low carb and then only using carbohydrates during your runs And I've written an article on about it, I podcast it many a time, but the research just isn't there for that. But there are some really interesting case studies. There's some really interesting stuff coming out where it works great for some athletes. So I don't want to totally shit all over it and discourage people from trying it. If that's a lifestyle that works for you, I think at the end of the day, your nutrition, eating patterns need to work for you and your lifestyle.
0: Yeah. And. It's cool you bring up the idea of like, hey, like these are the this is the amount of calories that you need when you're moving for a certain time period. Because and going back to like, hey, like your body can utilize fats and your body can utilize carbs at certain time periods or certain heart rates due to the fact of that's how your body just transitions into utilizing either fats or glycogen force for fuel. And I think you, you hit it on the head was like, you know we still need to live this carbohydrate diet, right? And some athletes it does, some athletes it doesn't work. I have a few buddies who are big time, can do low carb and just wanna stack all the fats and protein in, and it works great for them. Um, and and I've played around with it too a little bit and I've actually just got done playing around with some stuff last week a little bit and I'll go ahead and tell you what I did and you're probably gonna wanna slap me in the face, oh, but I felt really good in it. But it was a trial and error type thing, you know? Um, So going back to the way we approach the Apex program, how I look at training the athlete to build endurance, we go ahead and have this thing called aerobic, aerobic function, right? Our, Our max aerobic function. And what it does there, there's a formula that you can do, you do 180 minus your age, and it gives you a number. And that number there, then from there, depending on the category type of athlete you are, you go ahead and either Plus or minus uh, 10 beats, or five, or none at all, depending on the athlete and what they're doing. You can actually find this over at um, Dr. Phil. You can find this at DrPhilMaffetone.com, uh, Dr. and he goes ahead and talks a lot about that. But what he talks about is utilizing how to build your aerobic system. Um, there's a certain threshold that we have to work at or below so that we can go ahead and build that because if we go ahead and work above it, we start getting into more anaerobic. We start talking about threshold changes. And, and the idea behind this is utilizing, teaching your body how to utilize oxygen and fat as fuel for a certain duration. So if I wanted to go run a 60 minute run at 125 beats per minute, try and go do that. It's really, really hard to do that by the way. You're gonna do a lot of walking and a lot of like run for 20 seconds and you're gonna walk. And then over time as you focus on doing that, you'll notice that your heart rate might be around a 130 but you're now running for that entire 60 minutes right, and you notice that you're not breathing heavy, you're just breathing naturally, you're like, man, I feel really good, well, we are now building our aerobic system, we are now teaching our system how to utilize oxygen in the right way through developing our aerobic function, right, and I've gone through different courses with, in terms of, like, understanding how to develop the heart and, and developing cardiac hypertrophy for output to maintain, you know, and the way I think about that is it's like, it's like hypertrophy, right, we go ahead and go at lower percentages for for higher rep schemes, we end up starting to build muscle. Like we know that we break it down, we build it up. The same thing goes into understanding the heart, right? Like cardiac hypertrophy and building that output. Well, I want to go ahead and move at 60 to 65, 70%, 75% for an hour. And what I'm doing is I'm just building the strengthening my heart. That's all I'm really doing to handle higher bouts of output. So what I started doing, Brooke, and this is what I've started doing is since I've started learning about this this past year and last year a little bit and now is I will sometimes do fasted runs. But listen to this. When I do my fasted runs, I stay below my, zone, my high zone two. I stay within my zone one and zone two. That means if I go out fasted for a run, I will run at 130 beats per minute. I don't go into my anaerobic state. I stay aerobic the whole time. So now I'm not stressing my system and causing more of an anaerobic shift. I am now getting the adaptation of how to utilize fats for fuel naturally through training, again, through training, not through specifically my diet. So when I do go ahead and have to run for 12 to, let's say, with my 200-mile race, where I'm going to have to run for over 80, 80 hours and stuff like that. I can move at a lower percentage heart, a lower effort heart rate and utilize more fats than carbohydrates. I will still use carbohydrates because I still need it for long-term cognitive function, all that stuff. I need it, but I've trained my system how to utilize fats in the right way due to the fact of oxygen utilization is all I've done. So when we hear that you're fat adapted, can you do it through eating? Yes. But you also primarily need to do it through training. And that is something that a lot of people miss. Again, I'll say it again. When I do my fasted runs, my heart rates. I
1: hear you. Keep banging that desk.
0: (laughs) 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 But whenever I do fasted runs, my heart rate's always within my zone two or, or higher zone one output. So, again, that's the idea behind it. And then when I start getting up into my anaerobic state is when I kind of switch over to utilizing glycogen. But the cool thing about that, right, is you can actually actually have those two work really close together to utilize using fats a little bit longer than carbohydrates. How do we think some of these elite athletes will go out there and run and only use five gels for... A fifty miler. I've seen athletes do that. They'll use five like carb, five gels that have maybe 150 calories, maybe 50 grams of carbs in it, or whatever else. They'll use five of those across across a fifty mile run, and crush it. Wow. <laughs> like I mean, yeah, so it goes into the idea. as well. Those that's that's what I'm going to say right now. Those are very 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 trained individuals who are very very aerobic and know how to utilize their system. And it goes to this, Brooke can attest to this, right? Our body is a machine and the the more efficient we become, the more efficient and the only way we become more efficient is by treating it and teaching it how to do those things. And our body can adapt very well. So if I'm going to want to train my body to utilize fats long term, when I'm moving at a certain heart rate, I will go to where it saves carbohydrates and then all of a sudden when I want to get into a higher out of intensity i now have those carbohydrates stored why because we know that there's more fat stores in the system than there are carbohydrates we know that that's that's a that's a thing that is out there it's true guys you have more fat store than you do have glycogen so um that's kind of just one of those things that i you know I, i'm really big on and, and i hope everyone understands when we're riding when you go and follow the apex team if you do follow it Like, there is a method to the madness, and there is a reason why we ask you to go ahead and move at 70 to 75% effort for certain days. And there's days where we'll have you, and throughout the cycle, we'll go ahead and have you start working speed, heel sprint intervals, um, anaerobic power output. We'll do all those things, but it's all blended within the program so you can see that. And that's something that, you know, I do want to talk about because, you know, a lot of people have this idea that, you know, when we're training endurance athletes, they think that it's all just – high rep, low weight, you know, and there is a time and place for that also. But at the same time, when we go ahead and look at developing strength and power for the endurance athlete, right, we do need to semi lift heavy. And really cool video I saw the other day, Brooke, and I think you laugh at it. I saw, uh, she's a high level marathon runner and she was actually doing back squat. And she's like, I just pr my two rep backs, my two R M back squat. But guess how deep she was only going? What? She was only going to parallel and then back up. And her, her, she had to make a comment right away to everyone. She's like, I'm only going to this depth because it caters to my sport.
1: That's great. I love that.
0: Right? Like, hey, I'm only eating this way and I'm doing this thing and I'm doing this because I'm catering it around my lifestyle that works for me. My coach knows what I need to do. Right? It's the same thing here. If we look at lifting heavy, we end up seeing that we do improve our work economy and our speed. Right? You're like, wait a minute. So if I do lift a little lift heavy at least once to two times a week, I am able now to improve power output, speed, and my work economy. And you have to understand that that work economy for endurance athletes, or for an athlete in general who is in the military, who is just your everyday Joe Schmo, who is just wanting to work out, to the athlete who's burning it down and getting after it in their garage. When it comes down to it, we need to develop our work economy to handle higher bouts of stress so that we can have a better quality of life. And that is a lot of the problems that we, don't, we see also, again. A lot of people don't want to take time to focus on how to move properly, how to fix technique, how to do all these things, they just want to get after it. And when we start seeing injuries so understand that yes an endurance athlete does need to lift heavy do they need to lift heavy five days a week no they can do it once a week and they'll be perfectly fine there is research shown i just got done taking my uh my tsa or my tactical strength and conditioning facilitator uh course which i'll be lining up to take my test hopefully here in the summer hopefully we'll see yeah so it'd be fun to do that but i got to take you with dr brent alvar and, and He's he is one of the main uh, guys that have written the book, um, written the practitioners the the practitioners course and their book. And I got to take the course with him. And it was really cool to talk to him because he put up a study that you know he had done in terms of resistance training. Because in the past there used to be this idea that hey, doing one set of you know twenty twenty reps is how we go ahead and increase strength and how we see resistance training is that the way it is. And he's like that makes no sense to me. He's like sitting in class. He's like no that makes no sense to me. He's like we need to have a multi set resistance training program to see long term adaptations and the research showed and it showed that hey after someone who's trained for 16 weeks of a legit program for 5 days a week they can go ahead and go into a program of 2 to 3 days of strength resistance training and still see progress going up slowly which is really cool to see that right so if we have a strength athlete coming over into the apex program they've just gotten done doing two or three cycles on the strength team, but now want to work the apex programming. We know that, and, and, and research has shown, evidence-based has shown, depending on his, on, again, there's a lot of the variables that go into it, but should slowly progress or maintain strength across the board for the next 12 weeks or so, right? So that's where it comes into is like, hey, we can train strength training two to three times a week and still manage our output with endurance and see both move together, and that's the thing that a lot of people don't realize, right? Like, again, everyone's like, "Oh, I'm an endurance athlete. I need to go and squat light weight for high reps." And it's like, well, you know what we end up seeing there is one, movement pattern is probably not very good. Two, you probably you probably are putting heavier weight on the on the on the bar more than you should for those high reps, and you end up just causing deeper fatigue than necessary. And that is what we're trying to do here, right? We're trying to manage fatigue over long term so that we do see the right goals and, and continue producing this long-term and this life, this increase of life of a uh, quality of life. Right. And, and that's kind of the way we look at that in that terms. So yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of the idea there with that. I know we've been, I've been, I've been talking my, my head off for the past 45 minutes and I can keep going and we're going to go for a little bit longer, Brooke. Do you have any questions, Brooke, so
1: far or no? Well, I think <laughs> one thing I did want to touch on, you brought up, um, glycogen stores and that triggered a thought. Another method for nutrition that people can use to build up glycogen stores pre-race is carbohydrate loading. And I know a lot of people say, well, that's old school, blah, blah, blah. Well, whatever. It's tried and true. So if you want to try other things, that's fine. But this is researched and important to note that usually two to three days before an event, you can increase your carbohydrates to about 10 to 12 grams per kilogram and do what they call carbohydrate loading and build up your glycogen stores so then that can be useful during your long race because you you can't operate in this low intensity like you were talking about to utilize fat sources the whole time that's just not realistic so that's one method to then build up your glycogen stores and carry that with you into the race to have to have as a fuel source so you have something else besides needing to constantly be eating or drinking carbohydrate
0: now that's that's something that is funny. I actually enjoy eating pad thai before my races. So if I get ready to go out for a long I feel
1: like run, it's a ballsy move to have spicy dude. food like that before a run.
0: Well, you, I don't know. <laughs> well, it helps. It helps clean me out the next morning, so I'm nice, nice and, and light to go ahead and run, and not have to worry about about uh, about my stooling throughout the run. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so. That's one thing that I do want to talk about because that's one thing I've noticed too, Brooke, and this is going into the idea. Remember when I told you that you're probably going to get mad at me for me doing this, but I wanted to try something out and it was just something I wanted to see my body could do. And I don't, I don't advise this for anybody else to do it. This was just something I was doing. I went out for a four hour run and only ran on just water and electrolyte and a a hydration mix, which was from, uh, which was just like b vitamins and that was really it and a little bit of electrolytes that's all it was for four hours i hit 16 miles over close to 4k in, in climbing in that four hours i drank i ate nothing it was all water and how did you feel funny at the 3:30 <laughs> mark i didn't know it was possible to hallucinate during the oh, day
1: oh my god
0: <laughs> and don't try this and alone, kids yeah please don't try this at home and (laughs) along with that i also realized that um i hit a low really hard about three and a half hours like three hour three and a half hours in also like i was six feet into my head like what the fuck am i doing like why am i doing this and i had to find a way to um get myself out of that low and and that's what i did but again I did it for a learning experience is it a smart learning experience no was it but the thing is though is I've been training at such low intensities for so for the past for quite a while now it has some speed on me but I've been doing such low aerobic work that I've been able to stay within this like you know this this average heart rate of a 130 to a 140 for four hours and climbing and this is me running and I end up averaging like a like a 1330 mile per mile whatever else nothing crazy um but this just goes to show that like, hey, the body can do crazy things and it's meant to do those things, but you have to train it to do so. Um, was I hungry afterwards? Fuck yeah. Did I crush food for like crazy? Yes. Um, did I take a couple of days off afterwards? Yes. Yes. Um, it's going
1: to mess with your recovery. It's going to, you know, you're putting yourself at risk to lose muscle mass and tear tissue and do all kinds of things. And to be honest, carbs also hold water. So that if that's, that's part of the hydration plan. So there's a lot of different factors at play here.
0: And honestly, the next day, like, I crushed a bunch of food that night and I, I and whatever else. But the next day, it was more of a, it wasn't that I was sore or not recovered, nothing. I just had family trip stuff like that. And I think I did, like, a 60-minute run in the morning. Um, but it was just one of those things where it's like, okay, cool, like, I know my body can do that. And the only reason why I did that was because situation dictates, right? And those who are in the military and listen to this understands what situation dictates means is I'm going to be running 200 miles in September, There's going to be time and moments in that race that I might not be able to eat or want to eat due to either fatigue, um, hallucinations, and a whole bunch of different variables that are going to come into that term. So I have to understand what my body is going to feel like when I'm moving at that, and I took advantage of that. Due to, because I was in a controlled environment, I knew where I was at, I knew that I can take care of myself, and I knew what was going to be going on. And that's what I ended up doing and focusing on. And and afterwards, right away, I put down a whole bunch of water, I started eating, I put down like 300 calories of, uh, of, cal- of spring energy real quick to make sure I was good, and I was golden. Within an hour and a half later, I was eating again and doing all those things, and that's what ended up helping helping me out the most was afterwards, right? It was for the recovery aspect instead of like not eating or doing right. anything, and that was the cool part behind. Well,
1: it. then I won't smack you for this you know. experiment. <laughs> no,
0: it, the way it was a it was a suffering and a learning experience all in the same time, um, and I think sometimes but we yeah, need it. But yeah, you have to
1: figure it out and figure out what works for you ultimately.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, you know. I know we've hit a lot of stuff in here, and I didn't go 20,000 feet deep into, you know, everything in the Apex programming, and and realistically, I I covered the wave tops of strength and endurance, focusing on the warm-ups and the cool-downs, and and, and the science behind it all, and the reason why we ask you to do certain things, you know, and and, and focus on understanding, like, the sub-maximal training approach is is what's going to help you, you know, long-term and make you feel the best, so... Again, if you guys have any questions for myself or Brooke, or you have any questions about, you know, pairing strength and endurance together, and if you are doing your own strength training and you're trying to figure out how to manage your endurance in there, feel free to reach out and, and email me um, or direct message me on Instagram. And it's usually, usually I, I respond back with full-on emails and paragraphs, and and we'll will help spin you up on it. You know, um, again, like I said, the Apex team is finally getting some some light, and it's really cool that people are ready to use it. it. Makes me excited, um, but you know it doesn't take away from other teams you know again like i said before our strength team brings brings you a you know focus on getting you as strong as possible but still keeping you very athletic you know in, in working your your systems in, in in the aerobic and anaerobic system just not it's not a priority the same thing with the stamina team the stamina team we focus on increasing that but maintaining strength throughout and we've seen guys see really good results off of that and then we also have the quick program we have the Saltheat women's team which focuses in on developing, you know, those things for the athlete in terms of, of, of you know, weaknesses that we see in women. Uh, we have our competitive fitness programs. We have our weightlifting team. We also have a backcountry team where if you're a backpacking athlete who likes to go out on adventures with their backpack for long term, for long days, or you like to do hunting over the mountains, the, the, that program brings you that. We've had guys utilize that program who are hot shots going into hot shot season for fire departments due to the fact of how much they do got to hike and ruck and everything else like that so again guys if you haven't taken a look at our program and you just listened to our podcast take a look at our program and if you do have that room and have that uh that that time to train and follow a, a program please do so that's something that you know a lot of people don't don't realize so and again you know, there's going to be new teams coming, uh, new cycles coming out and new things coming out too. And understand if you are pairing, and the reason why I'm bringing this up bro because I've gotten a, quite a bit of emails lately of how to pair, like, am I supposed to do the Apex programming all in one sitting or is it supposed to be two sessions or can I pair a strength program with the stamina workout or can I stack teams and do all these things and, you know, I can't sit here and tell you no, don't do that because you're going to do it anyways. What I can do is educate you in how to approach it in the smartest way possible so that you don't injure yourself because that is the smart approach here. So with the Apex team, when you have a two-a-day on there, you know, the rule of thumb is anywhere between three to four hours plus, have a break between that. And usually most people will go ahead and do their morning session in the morning and do it in the evening time. And the next question I also had was that, well, do I do strength first or do I do endurance first? I usually say one, what is your priority, and two, what do you have the most energy for, and what do you have like, what do you have time for? If you only have time for a sixty second, sixty minute run in the morning, and you only have or or you only have time for the strength, which is only about forty five minutes or so, well then you do that. But if that's just how it works, right? That's just kind of the way it is. When we start talking about pairing like a five k run from the event team under the selection prep team with a strength team you can do that just understand take out some of the stamina sessions and in place those runs into there and do that right that's a way you can do that if you're trying to do a strength and a stamina team program understand that you can't do both full programs on the strength team and the, and the stamina team because it will injure you and it will cause overtraining and it will put you in a place to where you're going to go ahead and see problems well how do i approach that well if you're like well I want to go ahead and follow the strength team and do the quick stamina because that's the only time I have and I want to do that. Well, that's cool, right? You just paired those two together. If you want to go ahead and do a stamina you know, cycle where you're prioritizing the stamina work and then you're taking the quick strength work because that's the only time you have, you can do that. Just don't pair them together and understand that. That's something that I really want to harp on and let people know is don't, don't do them together. Break them um, and piece them together if you need to and always follow the recovery protocols that is and the warm-ups that's going to be the hugest hugest thing here for that is because it's going to keep you moving long term you know like i said again going from an email i just got yesterday it was from a guy and he, i'm not gonna say his name but he mentioned he's like man if it wasn't for the recovery protocols and the movement and the breathing protocol work i probably would have injured myself but by doing that it kept me injure free And that was huge. And guess what? When he went into selection with those recovery protocols, he knew what he needed to do to recover the next day to get back at it again. Right? And that is the goal there, right? The goal is to go ahead and make sure that we develop you as fit as possible so that if you go out and hit it at 90%, Where you're at selection for a day because you have multiple uh, testing events and you still have to perform the next day. The more aerobic I make you, the the more volume and stress you can handle, and the more you are able to continue performing and keeping that average across you know of effort across the board. Instead of burning it down one day and all of a sudden you're down at fifty percent the next day. The goal is to be able to have you come in and just stay across the board evenly instead of having these huge spikes in. In your, in your efforts when you're at selection or, or whatever else. And the reason why I talk about that is because of the fact that we do see individuals go to selection, they'll do their test and they'll win their ruck, they'll, they'll be okay at their swim and be okay at their run, but then we'll see guys who will come in, do okay at the ruck, do okay at the swim, do okay at the run, and the next day they gotta go on, do something else now and they're still doing okay here and doing okay in that event and doing okay in that event compared to the athlete who burned it down the ruck run wasn't too good in the swim, didn't too good in the in the in the run and all of a sudden now is sucking ass in the next day of the events because of the fact that he wasn't aerobically developed or couldn't handle the volume or the stress from that or he didn't have the, the 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 methods of recovery to make sure he was ready to rock and roll the next day and that is something that I'm really big on too as well is like really taking when you're doing these programs really finding the 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 recovery protocols and the methods of how to make you that much better so that you can come in and, and keep giving your 100 percent every single day and making it happen hell yeah yeah again if you guys got any more questions on this guys please feel free to email me george at softleet.com. um or you can reach me at coach underscore gb3 on instagram um and you can reach us that way um brooke
1: Hello, i'm brooke at dot i also created actually an intra workout supplement guide. So if you're someone who is into, um, whether you're on the apex team or on the stamina team, whatever that might be, you can shoot me an email and I'll get that to you. Um, but that's super helpful when you're on this program. And uh, I'm also on social media at Brooke West underscore RDN.
0: So awesome. Real quick. We do have some questions, Brooke. I hope you're okay with this. <laughs> Go for it. We got some questions real quick. Um, you know, we got a question on which team would you recommend for a firefighter to follow? Um, as we mentioned already, we've had multiple guys use different types of programs, and the variable, and, the, and it comes down to variables. What program should I follow? Well, what is your specific, you know, um, what do you do as a firefighter? You're an urban firefighter, you're in the mountains, or are you, it depends, you know, and you need to train to that. So look for a program within our soft uh, teams that's gonna cater towards that. And if you are looking at, you know, being more of an urban type firefighter, then go ahead and look at, you know, the stamina team, or the selection team—I'm not sorry—the selection team, or the strength team, depending on what your your goals are and your weaknesses and your strengths are. If you're more of that athlete, you know, or more of a firefighter who's out in the mountains a lot, then go ahead and look at the backcountry team and look at the apex team and see how that caters to you in that realm. Um, you know. That's what it's gonna come down to. Question was, what team is best for training for their first marathon and the Bats and Death March? And we've already talked about it. We've had multiple athletes utilize Apex One, Apex Two, Apex Three, and currently Apex Four is currently out right now and they've utilized that to get ready for both of those. So I would look at that as well. Um, Already talked about the quick program. Um, how well does the Apex team apply to service members, and what in what ways? Again, the way that that looks at is, I talk about transferability. Whenever I look at the at a, at a tactical athlete or a military service member, I look at how does your programming transfer into your job, right? Because your job now is your life and that's kind of what it is and we need to find a program that's going to transfer into that and the apex program does a really good job of that we do bring you strength training there we do have strongman type stuff odd object type stuff we give you a balance of everything within that and a lot of service members could cater to that but they also can cater from the strength and the stamina teams as well as well as the quick just depending on your time and, and what your goals are so yeah i mean that's it's realistically it i have nothing else i mean I've had, had fun blabbing my mouth this whole time. I, love it's it. f-
1: I know <laughs> how Apex Team is like a passion project for you. And so I've I've really enjoyed listening to you talk about it and learning more.
0: Yeah, it is. It's 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 still a work in progress for me for sure. So I'm excited for it. But uh yeah. Thank you, Brooke, for hanging on and, and talking with me about this. Yeah. <laughs> so if you guys again, thank you for listening. Until next time, we'll catch you later.